You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode Stevie Eiserman of Keeping Up with the Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada, and just like always, joined by my co-host, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, bud? Oh, not too shabby, brother. How about you? Doing not too bad, and... If you didn't catch that, yes, that is episode 19, hence the Stevie Eiserman reference there, Durham. Did you honestly just throw that at me like I don't know Steve Eiserman's number 19? I did just throw it at you like you You did. son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> all right, who's, who's your favorite 19 of all time? Probably Joe Sackick. Yeah, between those two, it's like, who, who else? It's I a might, tough one. Go ahead. Tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, I might throw in uh, Batherson because I'm uh, such a big fan of the kid. Just just a huge fan, obviously. Uh, unreal player out there. Uh, what, what's going on with you these days, man? It's a, it's a weekend right now, so you're up to anything fun? Oh, I got out on the pond for a few hours today, actually. Took the dog out, got some of the boys out there, and a uh, couple of wobbly pops and had a hell of a time. Nice. Sounds pretty good. Actually, I was planning on doing that later today. Uh, go out on the outdoor hockey rink out in Nordic. So I'm pretty stoked for that. Uh, so yeah, just excited. And let's just talk about some of these cracking games they had. They've had this week, eh? Uh, two wins, two losses. But I mean, hell of an effort in in a lot of these games. Uh, I mean, they really brought it. They're playing some tough teams. Uh, if you look at the goalies that they face, they're all the ones at the top of the league. Insane. They've been playing so well as of late. Hey, eh? let's talk about this Kraken team. Yeah, they've been hot lately. I mean, a lot of tight games too. They found ways to squeak them out one way or the other for two of them. And uh, it's been good to see. Tough call yeah. today, but whatever. Fuck oh, it. man. Yeah, we'll get into that soon. Obviously, it's a Sunday here. They just got done playing the Rangers a couple hours ago. Bit of a heartbreaker at the end, but uh, once we break that game down, we'll get into more of that, more of those details. But yeah, man, uh, this team has just felt a little different lately, hasn't it? Yeah, they've been buzzing a little bit more, kind of confident in their game. They, It feels like they have more of a game plan. They know what their strengths are, and they're going to try and play to that every night. 
they do. They they're playing with a lot of heart and soul out there lately. They look a lot more comfortable with each other on the ice and know where each other are. And what about the goaltending too? I feel like uh, Grubauer has taken his game to another level since uh, you know kind of this last bit of stretch here. Yeah, I mean that's something we'll touch on a little bit later too with the uh, stat of the week there. Spoiler alert! But Grubauer's been playing some good hockey. He has been, and uh, that's got to be a big confidence booster for the players uh, playing in front of him, too. Uh, just knowing that, getting kind of Grubauer's finding his groove with the team. You know, sometimes it takes half a season, and, you know, with a expansion team like that, that's, you know, you got to expect some of those things, even from a Vesna finalist goaltender like Grubauer. So uh, it's, it's very positive to see some of these changes with the team uh, going forward here, but let's uh, jump right into some of these uh, game reviews. Uh, Cause they started last week off against the toughest opponent in the NHL. I would say the Florida Panthers, uh, big, big five, three W against them. Uh, talk about how big of a win this is for the squad. I mean, it's an absolutely huge win for the boys against one of the NHL's top teams, right, in Florida. Taking 5-3 sweep in the season series, too. Like, both games, home and home there. Doesn't matter where they're being played. Seattle's on them. No kidding. Just an absolute effort from the, from the Kraken in this game, though. The whole team really showed up. Nobody had a bad night, I would say. And that's the kind of effort it's going to take. Uh, when you're facing one of these teams, you know, one of these top teams, you're really going to have to have everybody bought in and play a full 60-minute effort, right? Yeah, especially you get a big night for Grubauer, who, uh, you know, maybe call him getting into a bit of a Groove Bauer. <laughs> nice. Groove Bauer, yeah. What did he make? It was, what, 28 saves on 31 shots that night? Yeah, it's not too bad. You know, earning his season-high third win in a row. Somebody would call it streaking. I'm somebody. Yeah, no kidding. Grubauer's just taking his game to another level. But yeah, let's step right into this game and, and, and go into some of the details because it was Florida who came out with the ball rolling with a goal from Duclair. And it was kind of off a, a lucky redirect there off Susie's skate. And that gave Florida an early lead in the game. Yeah, I mean, even though the Kraken had a power play and threw 13 shots on net in the first period, unfortunately, it would stay one nothing Florida after 20. Yeah, that was the case, but boy, did the Kraken find their scoring touch in the second period there, rattling off three straight goals to take a 3-1 lead. That was huge, right? Just snap, crackle, and popping them into the net there. Starting with a one-timer to the shelf, just a dazzler from Marcus Johansson. Sweet baby Jesus, he ripped that, eh? That was, and perfect little pass from Gio on that play too. That, that was a very good way to get that goal scoring started off. And Marcus Johansson, a guy who got put on that first line, uh, you know, for the last week, about a last week and a half now, he's been playing on that first line and creating some good chemistry with, uh, with Canner there and Ebbs. So shout out to Marcus Johansson. He's, he seems to take his game to another level too lately. Yeah, he's done real well in that role. Then, yeah. And then at the halfway mark in the second, you get Gord and Larson play a little hot potato with the puck inside the blue line there until Gord decides it's time to just wire it to the back of the net by himself there, giving the Kraken their first lead of the game. Yeah, that, that was sweet too. And then immediately after, the Kraken make it 3-1, courtesy of Colin Blackwell's head. 
that was crazy. That how crazy of a goal was that? Like, uh, you know, Shahan throws one on net there. Appleton collects the rebound. He throws it towards a sprawling Bobrovsky. Uh, it takes a couple weird bounces and then off the head of, of Blackwell and in. <laughs> that that was just insane. You don't really see goals like that every game, do you? No, I mean, the last one that I can think of going off the head and in was Andrew Shaw way back in the playoffs where they said, no, you can't do that. You can't just headbutt it into the net, dude. He's like, come on, why not? No. Yeah, yeah. So there was the Andrew Shaw one. That one got waved off. And then um, I believe it was two seasons ago, uh, Colin White, same thing against uh, Tampa Tampa Bay there. The puck was just shot directly up. No one knew where it was except for uh Colin there and it drops did I say I think Colin White did I say Colin Black no you said Colin White oh my god I was just thinking in my head but Colin White yeah he made that play same thing he directed it intentionally so that's why that one didn't count either but this one does count because (laughs) I don't think Blackwell was trying to uh trying to do that with his head but yeah what a bounce for the Kraken and yet they would head into the third with a pretty nice lead yeah yeah, that'd be nice. The you know the Kraken don't waste any time in the third getting on board there. Just twenty six seconds to be exact. Yeah, and that was after like a well executed breakout ends up on Mason Appleton's stick. He makes no mistake, ripping one past Bob for his first goal in sixteen games, bro. Second Dude. second point of the night as well. Isn't that crazy? Well, I mean, I guess when you're hot, you're hot. But talk about being streaky. Get one and then 16 games without another one. That's got to sneak into the back of your mind a little bit. Good for him to get that one out there. Yeah, especially with the, the bit of a breakout season that he had uh, in Winnipeg that you know ultimately was the biggest reason why he was selected over a couple other good options out of Winnipeg. And he hasn't really shown that same kind of offense this year. So um, to kind of break that streak, 16 games is pretty wild. Uh, even for a guy who's more third, fourth line minutes, you, you're still expecting uh, a bit more production than than that, right? Yeah, you're hoping for more than one or uh, one goal every 20 games. Mm-hmm. You're hoping for more than five goals. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And I think I kind of skipped over there in the second period. Um, there was two big, big goals there from Florida to tie the game, actually. Before that, Mason Appleton made it... Uh, Four three in the uh, twenty six seconds left. Uh, we kind of skipped over that by accident, but the two big dogs on Florida they scored the two goals to get the thing tied up uh, before the end of the second. Right, made it three three, and then uh, the first one was a bit of a seeing eye shot from the point from uh, Huberto there, and that one was on the power play too. So uh, a tough one there, but I mean that power play is just incredible from Florida right now. It it seems to pop off every single game. Yeah, they're pretty hot. I mean, they get to move it around quite a bit. And they got a lot of pieces that can actually execute and fire the puck as well. So there's a lot of threats from everywhere around. But Huberto seems to be kind of right in the middle of everything there in the power play. Yeah, that main focal point. The guy kind of kind of running it uh, in a sense and not even doing it from uh, like that quarterback uh, position too. He, he seems to just run everything. Everything runs through him on the power play. And then that... that Goal to tie it up. That was a weird one too, wasn't it? You seen that little play from Hubie to Barkov. Uh, Hubie with the no-look pass over to Barkov. Uh, he takes the shot, and it gets partially blocked by Gord, doing a great job trying to block that shot. But it ends up going 
up and over Grubauer into the net. Just an unfortunate bounce there for Seattle. Yeah, there's a couple goals in this game you don't see too often. Some weird bounces, eh? Yeah, like, so that one hops right over top and still goes bar down, too. <laughs> you definitely don't see that every game. Yeah, and then uh, jumping back to where we were in the third there after Appleton getting his second point of the night, just some gorgeous passing by Dunn and Wenberg to find Appleton streaking in the speed there, gets the open ice in the slot, eh? Well, that that's all them. Like, you know, it's a, it's a set play kind of right off the beginning of the third period there. Uh, and it's just a beautiful breakout, well executed by Dunn. And then Wenberg, we all know how good he is at finding his teammates. Uh, he tries to do it all the time when maybe sometimes he should be shooting that, but that was a perfect uh, play there where he's seen Appleton coming in with speed and Wenberg's just opening uh, that area up and finding him in that open ice. And yeah, Appleton's able to bury that goal, making it four, three. And then how about Grubauer too? Like he made a number of huge saves in the remainder of the third there and none of them bigger then the absolute robbery he made on Duclair with about a minute and change left in the game, eh? Yeah, when he was sliding across and throws his glove up to make one of the best stops of the season. That was spectacular stuff from Gru. I mean, a truly game-saving stop. He doesn't get better than that. Honestly, it doesn't. And I, I thought the same thing, too. One of his, you know, better saves of the season, maybe his best um, he's made a lot of huge saves for this Kraken team, but uh, to come up big like that uh, when the game's on the line and come across and rob Duclair like that, that was huge for uh, not only him, but this hockey club. And yeah, who else but Cal Yarncroft to bury the empty netter, eh? Uh, the, guy's just, the guy's just on fire uh, for, as of late for the Kraken. Yeah, he's been putting a few up there, and this time, when the one he puts on the board happens to complete, like I said earlier, the two-game sweep of the Panthers, taking it this one with a final score of 5-3. Yeah, and you don't get better games than that. Uh, this Kraken team, every time they play a top team in the NHL, they come to play. Like, there's no messing around. Like, the only team I could really think of that... Uh, you know, they had some troubles against that first game against Colorado. That was earlier on in the season. They kind of got blown out there. But then, you know, they came back, played them a really tight 4-3 loss game. And, yeah, every time they play these top teams, they show up. And uh, they've been pulling up some big wins against these top teams. So that, that still shows me that this team is much more capable of what they've shown and what their record shows so far this season. Yeah, they can definitely bring it against the better teams. Mm -hmm. And one of those teams was Nashville too, who they played the very next, uh, the next game of theirs a couple nights later. And yeah, this was a heck of a game too. Unfortunately, yeah, they did lose it. Um, but they basically just got out dueled in the net in this one. And, you know, UC Saros, what else can you say about this guy, right? I don't know if there's anything else we can say. We kind of pumped his tires pretty good last week when we were previewing the game, and he showed us why that was a good idea. Yeah, and he's not the biggest goalie either, right? I think he's uh, he's an under-six-foot goaltender, which seems to be the rarity in the NHL these days. Uh, you don't really see that, but uh, his positioning and his his hockey sense and you know the way he can move around in that net is just incredible to watch. He's such a talented goaltender. 
Well, to be a smaller guy like that and to be able to put up the statistics statistics he has, you'd have to be. You'd have to be smart, quick, and just talented. Yeah, talented, very agile. And, um, yeah, anytime he's in, like, a one-on-one situation, too, he's just calm, collected, and always seems to come up with those big saves. So that was really the biggest difference. But, yeah, let's jump right into some of the details of this game because it was all Grubauer early on. He made about three or four huge saves in the first several minutes of the game, including killing off uh, a hooking call off done there. So so that was a really good start from Grubauer and a bit of a slow start uh, from Seattle. Yeah, I mean, it kind of really allowed Seattle to regroup and then get ahead in the game with a McHannon, uh, with a McHannon from Jared on the five-on-three power play. The, the little crossover there, and then Giordano slides it back, and he just unloads it. One nothing Seattle. Yeah, and it just seems like the only guy scoring on the power play these days is Jared Jared McCann there. And yeah, you see why? Because he's got that McCann. And so that was a wicked goal to get things going for the Kraken, making it one nothing in the hockey game. Nashville had three penalties too in that first period. They averaged the most PIMs per game out of any other team. Yeah, that's actually uh, wild to think about, and it, it almost makes Saros's stats even uh, like you know that much more impressive in a sense, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean having to kill that much all the time, getting across because a lot of teams look for that you know crossing the Royal Road through the middle there because the statistics show it. If you cross over before making a shot, it like helps your chances of scoring by I think thirty five or thirty six percent, something like that. Math. But anyways, so that's more ground the guy's got to cover with less body to get over there. So a little more impressive. Yeah, that's true. Gord had a nice breakaway chance too after uh, the puck hopped over the D stick. He was gone the other way, almost made it to nothing for the Kraken. But again, that was one where another one-on-one situation, Saros denied him. uh, Not only once, but twice there. He kind of picked up his own rebound. So uh yeah, hard to stop uh, Saros that many times in the hockey game. Yeah, I mean, he's going to do what he's going to do. And, I mean, even though the Kraken were able to kill off, would kill off another Nashville power play, they would not escape the first without surrendering the tying goal. But just twenty second, 21 seconds left, sorry, when Luke Coonan would just fire a one-timer on the ice and just squeaks through Grubauer's legs. Yeah, that was a bit of an unfortunate one to give up uh, for the crack in there where uh, you could escape that first period uh, with that one nothing lead. But, you know, you surrender that power play goal and that one just like you said, just squeak through Grubauer's legs, too. So uh, tough one. But wrapping up that first period, it would be tied up and shots favored Seattle 12 11. Uh, but yeah, very close period of, of hockey right there. Very competitive period of play. Yeah, and then the next period, you'd see Seattle take the lead back after a quiet first half. Adam Larson, he got hot for a couple games, open with an open look out front to throw the puck five hole on Saros and the Seattle Kraken are up 2-1 now. Yeah, he has been buzzing as of late, but that goal, like that was all Gord on that shift, just buzzing around the offensive zone, setting up Adam Larson with a sweet pass there. Uh, that was a beauty from the Kraken. But then again, Nashville would answer right back with a goal of their own. Forsberg with a ton of speed on the right side of the ice just snipes a shot far side top corner on Grubauer. 
And I got to say, that was a hell of a shot that just beat Grubauer clean. I I agree. Hell of a shot. A tough one for Grubauer to give up. But honestly, like, how does Forsberg skate all the way down the boards like that and not get touched once? Like, it looked like Buddy was in NHL 22 there, just ripping down the boards. like Just holding the hustle. You can't let him get through like that and get a clean look on net, right? That's just that's a bit of a defensive breakdown and, and people just not uh, engaging in Forsberg as he's flying down the side there. Yeah. I mean, if there's any Nashville forward that you probably don't want to allow to do that, it's Philip Forsberg. Yeah. Him, Duchesne, one of those guys like lethal shots on them, uh, elite shots, but yeah, I mean, you could sit there and blame Grubauer getting beat clean, uh, but uh, as a defenseman or as a back checking forward there, it's there, that's just too much room uh, to be able to skate down the ice and not get touched and, and get engaged with. So unfortunate there. And then yeah, Ekholm then gave Nashville their first lead of the game too. After he did a bit of a wrap around and the puck, uh, he threw it out front and it banked off done skate and went in too. So a bit of a shitty bounce there for the crack in, especially that late uh in the second period so uh now you have to go into the third down a goal after you know having two different leads in the game well that and it's another goal that hits off your own team and goes in i mean how many of those are you gonna have in the last couple of games so that's an unfortunate little streak there too so that kind of weighs on you a little bit going into the intermission hopefully they can come out firing in the third yeah, definitely, definitely kind of weighs on you a bit. But, it, you know, it was a bit of a quiet first 10 minutes in the first period, I thought, for the Kraken uh, until Nashville took a too-many-men penalty. And although the Kraken didn't score on it, it really pushed the momentum their way after that, I thought. Yeah, I mean, Eberle was just all over the ice, but he could not get bounces to go his way. He had a great chance on that power play, too. Yeah, he did, and he's, that's just a guy who's snake bit right now. I mean, that top line's playing good, but boy, is he he's snake bit right now. <laughs> it, tough time, too, after being announced into the All-Star game for him, but uh, that's just the way the pucks have been bouncing for a guy like Eberle. And on that same power play, too, Donato had a really great defensive play, made a nice back check to break up a potential shorthanded odd man rush for Nashville, so... Uh, another guy who's been playing uh, a lot better as of lately, that's Donato. Yeah, and then, of course, you know, Seattle gets a too-many-men penalty. Yarncroft and Wenberg get a shorthanded two-on-one, but Yarncroft is robbed. Classic Saros. The Preds go the other way. Matt Duchesne squeaks a puck past Grubauer just inside the post after it rebounds off the end wall there, and Nashville's got a 4-2 lead with just under four minutes left, and that's kind of killing you. Yeah, rough sequence there. You go from almost tying the game, puck goes the other way, and now you're losing by two goals. So, uh, I mean, you can't blame Yarncroc or, or Wenberg there. I mean, they understand there's only minutes left in the hockey game and you got to tie the game up. They take the chance to go shorthanded. Yarncroc, like you said, absolutely robbed on that play uh, by Saros. And, you know... Uh, and that would be how the game would end ultimately is, you know, you don't make that goal on that play and they go the other way. They make it four two, and, you know, that's the final score in this one. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yep. Saros just simply outdueled Grubauer in this game. 
you know, we pumped his tires enough, but uh, it's not like Grubauer played bad though. You know, like sure. The, the first goal may be a bit weak against him, but it's hard to fault him on those other goals, right? Like that snipe from Forsberg and then the goal that went off Dunskate, just unfortunate plays and bounces there. I thought. Yeah, kind of just shitty luck. I mean, in all, I thought the Kraken played a good game. There wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot of bad mistakes or turnovers from anybody, especially the D in this one, like we've seen in a couple of weeks beforehand. But, I mean, shit happens. You played a good game, sometimes you just lose. Exactly. And, you know, after that game, they'd start the, the four-game road stand, uh, you know, back back on the road. And they'd start it off by going into Pittsburgh and putting in an absolutely unreal effort in this game as well. So another great game. They'd come out with a big, big comeback win, win it in overtime and the first ever win in overtime too, in Kraken history. what do you think about this game, Mr. Pittsburgh fan? Whoa, 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 whoa. Watch the attitude, <laughs> pal. It was a great game. I mean, it was, it was half of me died. The other half of me thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah no it, it was a solid game um you know there was times where it, it wasn't looking too good but then you know in that second half of the game mainly that third period they had a huge huge pushback and you know came back and was able to to take a victory away uh in their first game so uh un- unreal game here by the Kraken. And, and let's just jump into some of the details in this game um, because it was a bit of a revenge game for a couple uh Seattle players, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, you get a couple of guys coming back, especially uh Canner here. Canner's a little pissed off. We saw from that interview at the start of the year talking about his first game against Pittsburgh when they came to Seattle, is uh, essentially the way he views it is they don't want him. Yeah, and although you know Tanev might not have been in the lineup, you know, he was uh really hoping for the Kraken to pull out and get a victory here, and that's what he was able to see. So uh, you know, it it was awesome to see that. And then of course, uh Drieger came off COVID protocol too, so he was uh back to uh backing up Grubauer in this one. So that that was a good thing to see as well. Yeah, and, uh, you know, start off the first period there. It was another fast-paced, solid start for the Kraken in this game. Of course, Donskoy with a great chance in front of Jerry that he's unable to put away, keeping his 41-game goalless drought intact. I know, bro. 41 games. It's hard to Fuck. even say, eh? That's half the season now. Uh, oh, do we have it's... another Riley Shahan on a team with Riley Shahan? <laughs> he, he went goalless for a while too i forgot that but uh... the entire year actually no it was the last game i think he scored because it was the last game at joe lewis and everyone's like fucking riley shahan of all wow. people i had a defenseman do that in junior where he went all year and then the final game he scored oh <laughs> uh, hey at least he broke that but i mean 41 games don scoring with a chance like that too to start the game off it's like when's it gonna happen man like Who's got his shootouts don't count. tucked away? It's just unbelievable. Yeah. Then we would we would see Carson Kuhlman, though, take uh, his first penalty as a Kraken. But the Kraken, big first kill right off the bat against Pittsburgh. Uh, that, that's a tough power play to keep uh, attain or, uh, you know, to keep off the score sheet. Uh, so credit to the Kraken right away. 
sacrificing the body a lot in this game too, right? A couple big blocks there. Hayden Fleury, Colin Blackwell, sacrificing the body for the team. That's how you continue to earn your ice, uh, especially for a guy like Hayden Fleury, who's had trouble uh, staying in in the lineup, hasn't he? Yeah, getting in and out. I mean, every time you're eating a puck, Anton Volchankov found out that that's how you're going to have a pretty damn good career. Uh, I'm just going to yeah, get hit with one of did. these 300 times a year, and someone's going to pay me a shit ton of money to do it. Yeah, he was awesome at that. He was also uh, great at throwing the body around, too. Threw a couple hippers back in his day, too. So uh, that's a guy I'm uh, well familiar with, Anton Volchankov, one of the masters at blocking shots. But jumping back into this one, you know, especially against a, a Penguins team uh, who ranked first in the NHL with a plus 22 goal differential in the first in, in all their first periods. Is that good? I think that's good. That seems pretty that is, good. Seems pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're going into pretty much most of the second periods, like that's half the time, right? They've played, what, 40 games? Every other game after the first period, you're up on nothing. Yeah, that's pretty dang good. Uh, and it's a lot easier uh, to go into those other periods when you're up a goal uh, rather than fighting back, being down a goal. But I, I got to be honest, I did like the Kraken's response after that penalty. They had a real solid pushback and continued applying pressure against the very fast Pens team. Yeah, I mean, Grubauer came up with another big stop just before the period ended. Shots were 11-7 to 7 in favor of the home team after 20. Yeah, and it was a good first period, but my God, the second period. Oh, jeez, Not a Which whole lot of, for the crack yeah. in Durham. It was a lot of fun for the Pittsburgh part of me to watch. Yeah, I mean, the I mean the Kraken only managed two shots in the, in the 20 minutes, and it was clear that there was only one man keeping the Kraken into that game, and that was the German gentleman, Drew. Philip Grubauer, the man, the stud. What a stud he's been since changing his pads up. Oh, my God. He was the only reason, only reason they were in this game after uh, 40 minutes of play. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all year where we won a game where uh, the goalies steal one, and unfortunately it just happened to be they stole a game against my other favorite team. Thanks. Thanks, Philip. Yeah, and uh, quick stat here. I think you sent me this one, too, uh, during this game. Uh, last NHL team to have fewer than 10 shots on goal in Pittsburgh after two periods of play was the Colorado Avalanche in 2013. So uh, it wasn't looking too good for the Kraken after uh, 40 minutes exactly, though they were only down by the one goal. So anything can happen in a hockey game, right? Absolutely, man. Even three-goal leads aren't safe anymore as we've seen. Nope. But finally, we would see a crack in power play early in the third, and they looked really good on it too, uh, especially Vince Dunn. He was quarterbacking it, looked really good. Uh, even rang a shot off the pipe there, and they registered three shots on that uh, on that opportunity. So it was good to see them just putting everything on net. Yeah, we see Johansson go off to the box after smoking Jerry in a two-on-one. That's all-star Tristan Jerry, by the way. Not a big deal. He's kind of sick. Anyways, he was on a two-on-one with Jordan Eberle, and he just fucking run him. Run him right over. Shit happens. Get out of the way. Choo-choo, motherfucker. Trying to yeah. go to the backhand there, but just <laughs> ran out of room. 
Oh, he did. And unfortunately, this time Pittsburgh would make the crack and pay with an absolute piss missile from the point to beat Grubauer. Take the lead with just over 11 minutes left. Yeah, Mr. Uh, NHL 101, Evgeny Malkin there just fires a wrister through traffic, picks the top corner. And then the Kraken would get their second power play, but couldn't find a way to capitalize. Donato gets robbed by Jerry on a nice look in the slot. And I mean, things just weren't going the Kraken's way. Yeah. And uh, sorry, but I was thinking that uh, the game was already up one, nothing for Pittsburgh, but no, they took the lead in that third period there off that goal. Um, But McCann would break that drought for the Kraken by winning a draw to Dunn and going hard to the net and tipping home a beauty from Dunn's point shot. What a huge goal returning back to his former squad's building for Jared McCann there. Man, McCann had a sick game. He was tenacious on everything. He was cheating draws lined up against Sid there. It was a big challenge for him that night. It was, and you know when a player's going back to their old team like they're, like that, like they want a game. They want that win badly, don't they? Yeah, they do, and you could tell they were absolutely just gunning for it, especially in those last few minutes. Oh, that was hectic. Just crazy chances for both teams, and your boy Don Scoy even just wires one off the other side of the post. Oh, keep that Keep that streak alive, Donnie. Keeping that streak alive. And you know what? That means this game would go to that overtime. We get some free hockey. And it didn't last long, Durham. Kind of like me in bed because Adam Larson ends the game in overtime. And not the guy you'd expect to be ripping a hard snapshot past Jerry to give the Kraken their very first OT win in their history. But what a shot that was. Yeah, I mean, he just stepped into that one, corralled it back, and just flung it through to the net there. Not a whole lot Jerry was going to do on that. That was just a slingshot. No, and you know what? It all came down to, you know, Grubauer's play in that game really kept him in it. Like, what a third period, too, for the Kraken. Only having nine shots through that first 40 minutes. They come out, they put up 18 in the third alone. That's crazy. That's not bad. Not bad. I mean, they had to fight back. They had to get the momentum their way. Not only that, though, the biggest takeaway from this game, it almost had a playoff feel with uh, the way the Kraken were just putting their body on the line. I know we mentioned it earlier. uh, You know, it all started off that first power play for Pittsburgh early in the game, but they ended up putting up 20 block shots for the Kraken in the game. They're just sacrificing the body all night. So you, you love to see it. Yeah, a playoff feel to it is the perfect way to describe that. You'd hit the nail on the head there with everyone getting in the lanes. They wanted to win this game so fucking bad. You could tell the team really bought into the system, and their consistency and chemistry with one another has been much better since they started to do that. Much better. I agree. And, you know, obviously we talked about how important Grew was. 23 saves on 24 shots. Good for a 9.58 save percentage. Not a big deal. Um, This was an awesome game to watch uh, the Kraken take home the victory in. And yeah, it it just had me pumped up watching this game. Yeah, it was pretty solid one watching it together there uh, on the interwebs. Yeah, no, that was fun one. Uh, You know, it's always fun when one of your other favorite teams are involved too. So it just makes it that much more exciting. And then they were supposed to move on and play uh, the Islanders on the Saturday, but 
that game would get postponed, and this time it wasn't for COVID, was it? No, a bit of a shit storm going on down there. A yeah. whole uh, East Coast getting fucked up. Yeah, a bit of a snowstorm. The shit winds were brewing down there, and they had to cancel that game because uh, I guess uh, the city of New York was in a bit of a panic for 24 hours, and it snowed too much. So um, at least it wasn't COVID-related. I'll take that. And uh, unfortunately, I, I would have been working anyways, so I'm even that much more excited to get that game postponed. That'll be on Wednesday now, um, and it'll be – I believe they play – Boston on the Tuesday, so now they'll have a little back-to-back, and that will be the last game heading into the All-Star. Um, but moving on, we did see the game today, right? The game against the Rangers. Uh, you know, unfortunate ending, 3-2 loss, but uh, I thought it was another solid outing from this Kraken team. Yeah, I mean, the Rangers lead the league with 14 wins decided by one goal so the fact that you're one of those 14 means you're right there with everybody else stupid yeah. Igor. and that's a team that you know that's what separates you from uh, a contender and a non-contender or a non-playoff team is uh being able to win that many games uh by one goal and if i remember correctly i think uh anaheim in their 07 run uh they won the most one-goal games that season out of any team. Uh, and I think a lot of that was on the back of their goaltending as well. So it, it appears to be the same for the Rangers right now, right? This Shesterkin guy just on fire. Is he going to win the Vesna? I fucking hope so, and so does my wallet. Got a little uh, got a little bet on that? I uh, might have got him at like plus 1850 at the start of the year. Not a big deal. Yeah, you got to take those odds. That's not bad, especially just his sophomore season, too, now. Um, yeah, his numbers going into this one were pretty incredible, too. I think he was 7-1 and one, uh, heading in with just outrageous numbers, too. Um, so, facing again, facing one of the best goalies in the NHL, probably the hottest goalie in the NHL going into this one, and they still managed to battle it out and really outplay the Rangers in this game. Yeah, I mean, one more little uh, Shesterkin tire pump stat. I read the other day here that since he got drafted in 2014 and started playing pro hockey, he's only lost 46 games. That's wild. How many games has he played? Like 160. That's not bad. That's actually insane to think that uh, since he's joined, uh, what, uh, North American hockey, I guess, in that sense. No, it was uh, KHL and NHL. KHL pro well, hockey. Right? Yep. Okay, that's wild. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, he's like one hundred and twenty and forty six. Yeah, wild. And yeah, hopping back into this game though, the Kraken they kind of caught a break not having to face Adam Fox. He was out of the lineup for this game with a uh, appears to be an injury. Uh, I think that was like a, a late scratch or whatnot, I believe. Uh, you must have got injured last night, I believe they played. So anytime you don't have to face Adam Fox in the lineup, that's a positive, right? Yeah, you want to try and take advantage of that. He's a guy who flows a lot of offense there. Who, who's their MVP? Is it Shesterkin or is it Adam Fox? Oh, it's Shesterkin. Don't even joke. <laughs> okay. Just had to ask. And also, uh, Colin Blackwell's first trip back to MSG since he had his uh, breakout year with the Rangers last year. And 
you know, that ultimately uh, was the biggest reason why he was selected from the Rangers team in the expansion draft. And, you know, we'd see a bit of a, a lineup change heading into this one. It was basically the same other than Yarncroc was a late scratch for the crack and with an upper body injury, which meant uh, Morgan Geeky would get back into the lineup for this game. Big body pucks on net, baby. Let's go, Geek Squad. Yeah, and of course, uh, German gentleman was starting too, facing off against uh, Shesterkin, and uh, it was a bit of a slow start today, I thought. I mean, clearly it was. Uh, there was a bit of a feeling out process, it felt, for both teams, and we didn't even see a single shot on net from either team until six minutes and 17 seconds into the game. Imagine paying money to go watch that. Uh, you know what? It picked up, though. It got good. Because right after that, that uh, <laughs> they really felt uh, it really felt like the crack and started to find their legs, though. Though Wenberg would take the game's first penalty for tripping, and Zabinijad would put a one-timer in off a feed from Panarin for the power play goal, making it one nothing Rangers early on. Yeah, that was some snappy passing there. Just a little zip-zap, don't give a crap, and back to the far side there. Yeah, uh, but I did like the Kraken's response after that goal. Uh, they came right back, had like three or four real good looks on Shishterkin, uh, and then they earned their first power play look of the game too. Yeah, but it was a power play that struggled to find any momentum, unfortunately. Now just one goal in their last 20 chances for the Kraken on that. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, they they got to get out of that slump and just get a greasy goal and get back to, you know, being comfortable back on the power play and being confident again and uh, getting in front of the net and really, uh, you know, just putting some traffic in front of these goaltenders, especially Shesterkin. Like, if the guy sees the puck, he, it just feels like he's going to save it no matter what it feels. Yeah, you got to take their eyes away if you got the extra man. I mean, we had Johansson sitting there, and he got a couple tip-ins from the slot and we in the net front guy, but it seems he's gotten away from that. Yeah, it seems to be him or Donato is another guy who does a good job right out front of that net for the Kraken, I've noticed too. So, uh, But the Kraken's best chance in that period came off a, a nice McCann shot late in the first. Found some twine, but it ended up staying out, keeping that one nothing Rangers lead through 20. And even though the Kraken outplayed the Rangers heavily, I thought, at times in that period, um, you know, they they still would uh, be down by one after one and out shooting the Rangers 14 to six after the first period. Not bad when you're in MSG on the road against a tough Rangers squad. Yeah. I mean, it's freaking New York city for a reason, right? Like they're the Kings of the town there. So they'd be firing out like that and out shooting them and just on them for the first 20. That's what you can perfect start for a road game. Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't have uh, the bounces going their way. And, uh, maybe it was a bit too easy for Shesterkin to see a lot of those pucks being thrown his way. But uh, early on in the second, the Kraken, uh, they get caught in their own end on a long shift. And once again, it's Benajad just hammering a shot on net. That one rings off the pipe too, but ends up taking a good bounce right in front of uh, Alexi Lafreniere there. Kind of lands right into his lap and he puts it in, making it uh, 2 nothing there for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, not the start of the period the Kraken wanted to have, especially knowing you have to get at least three goals behind Shesterkin now, who has just disgusting numbers at home. Yeah, that's a tough one, but leave it up to Jared McCann to get things rolling in an MSG for the Kraken 
burying his team leading 18th goal on the year off a slick little give and go pass with Eberly there. I thought that was a beautiful passing play. Yeah, they've really started to f- or show their chemistry over the last few weeks. Yeah, nice oh, to have yeah, a tandem. Time. Yeah, and uh, Marcus Johansson, be you know, being on that top line with him too, like he he's starting to find find his offensive groove. Could he be a, a bit of a trade bait for the Kraken now? If he keeps it up, he definitely could be starting to garner attention around the league. Someone will want him for a bit of depth, and hopefully, he can bring offense to their team for playoff round too. Yeah, it could definitely be the case. Uh, I could see that happening, but uh, jumping back in, uh, the Kraken got their second power play after uh, we seen Truba. He tried to step up on Colin Blackwell and a bit of a late hit there. And geez, I was worried for Blackwell there for a second because it looked like he almost blew out his knee. I don't know, a bit of a dirty play there by Troops. Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, he's been throwing those huge hits this season, right? So I'm sure he's certainly looking for opportunities to do that, but maybe look for a little bit better of an opportunity. Yeah, has to try to time that better where it's not so late. And uh, he didn't really have good positioning on it because he was pretty much just making contact with, you know, leg on leg there. And when that happens, you can see some some nasty injuries coming from the knee uh, on players. So, uh, you know what? You know, it's a penalty. He went to the box. The Kraken didn't score, but they had some nice looks, I thought. Continued to outplay the Rangers in the hockey game through two periods of play. And I, th- I believe it was the shots were 25 to 12. They were out shooting the Rangers after two, so they kept that pressure on heading into the third. Yeah, so you know they're just going to be coming out firing. And right off the bat in the third, Appleton gets his stick jammed up in a Rangers skate and puts the Kraken shorthanded. So not what I was hoping for but they would be able to kill it without any serious looks for the Rangers. So it doesn't even matter. Yeah. Yeah. Just one of those unfortunate trips. You're just moving your stick around and it just uh, hits the toe of a player. He goes down penalty, you know, but the Kraken, they got right back to work after that, that top line again, uh, had some great pressure again for the Kraken, you know, earned their third power play of the game. And for the third time it went scoreless even though they managed a good three shots on uh, on that attempt. So they were starting to generate more on the power play, which definitely struggled this game. Yeah, but I mean, like you just said earlier, there's not enough traffic at the net. They really got to find a way to get a greasy power play goal and break that skid. I agree. Uh, they they got to make it tough, right? And, you know, after even more great pressure from the Kraken and a continued effort to put those pucks on Shesterkin, the refs make a pretty soft call on Don there. Uh, you know, he's back-checking a, a Panarin who's got a breakaway chance. And, you know, I, I don't know. There was a, there was a few angles. Uh, I, I didn't think it was a hook, though. They called Don for a hook. You could tell he was pissed about that. And then immediately after, the Rangers get a penalty right off the ensuing faceoff. So it's almost like they knew that was a bit of a soft uh, call on Dunn there, and it was that seemed like a bit of a makeup call to make it a four and four. They just wanted faster hockey out there. They're like, ah, shit, let's make stuff up. Let's, let's just call two penalties. <laughs> yeah, and you know that four on four, Grubauer came up with another huge breakaway save on Keandre Miller there, keeping the game close. And, uh, yeah, like we said, another real solid outing for Gru again in this game. Yeah, and, more work, wait, more great work yeah. from the top line there in the game. 
draw fourth power play for the Kraken. Three minutes left in the third. And Yanni Gord blasts a one-timer. Top shelf with the goalie pulled. Hot shit. Look at us go. And we tied the game up late. The shift disturber with a clutch goal. Oh, yeah, boy, was that clutch. Uh, but instead of going to overtime, it ends with that controversial goal. Uh, you know, I'm going to call it controversial because that's what I think it is. Only 34 seconds left. The Rangers win an offensive zone draw there. Shahan goes to skate to the point uh, to apply some pressure there to Keandre Miller. But he clearly just gets picked and clearly gets interfered with Kreider, uh, knocking him down to the ice, leaving Miller able to just walk in there and snipe one past Grubauer. That was tough. Yeah, I mean, that's horseshit. That's a missed call, right? It's got to be. The refs just wanted to put their whistles away for the end of the game. Let the players decide. But you Uh, just decided. You could tell by the guys on the ice, I think Gio, a couple other ones, you know, as soon as that goal went in there pointing right at, you know, what the hell was that? Why wasn't that called? Like, I don't know. It was clear as day. It wasn't like it was in in a mix-up or anything. Like, Kreider clearly, like, just checked him down and kept him from going to the point there. Clear interference call, uh, and that was a blown one. And not only that one, but there was a couple other ones in that game where I thought, uh, you know, the refs weren't on top of it in this game, technically, but you know, it, that's the way it goes. Refs are human, people make mistakes, and the game ended with the 3 2 final in New York for you know the Rangers taking that game. So that's just what you got to call a bad beat there, right? Yeah, I mean, it was another solid outing for the Kraken today. Walk into MSG, outshoot the Rangers 42 to 24. Like, that's no joke, you almost doubled them up. Yeah, it's just and just a brick wall for the Rangers all game long, you know, and it, it didn't help. Uh, you know, the Kraken special teams weren't a, weren't especially as sharp. They did end up getting that power play goal at the end, but they all you know they also had the goalie pulled there, so they had that six on four chance. Uh, but they gave one up early in the game too, and all their other power play looks, uh, you know, weren't weren't exactly the greatest looking power plays either. So. Uh, you know, you could say it was a bit of a tie, but I feel like they kind of lost the special teams a bit in this game. Yeah, I mean, if you lose the game and it's a tie on the special teams, you lost the special teams. Yeah, unfortunately. But uh, I got to admit, though, these were awesome games to watch. The Kraken really came out uh, and, and played their hearts out uh, in all these games this week. So uh, pretty pumped to see that. And taking a look at next week here, just the two games on the schedule, Durham. Yeah, just Boston and uh, what we were supposed to have Saturday with the island. Yeah, because, uh, of course, it's the all-star break weekend, so the players get those extra days off, get some rest in. You know, Hopefully some of those guys out there get uh, healed up who are kind of banged up. Another thing we didn't mention, too, in that game against the Rangers, we seen Carson Kuhlman actually leave the game uh, in the first period there. He... Took a run at somebody. I forget who he hit, but he ended up tripping over them. And it was close enough to the boards where when he tripped over them, he jammed up his wrist there and you know, left the game, didn't return. So hoping that's not anything too serious for Kuhlman and it's not long-term because uh, he's looked uh, not too bad so far in those games. Yeah, he looked fine. Like he'd fit in just okay. 
I mean, nothing special. Doesn't really stand out great, but he kind of fits in with the team and helps out the depth. Yeah, and he plays that uh, tenacious style that suits, you know, the style that the Kraken have been playing, right? So, so he's a guy who seems to fit the squad really well. Yep, yeah, he'll be a great piece going forward. Hopefully, he's all right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's take a look at uh, these games coming up. We uh, were playing Boston in Boston on uh, Tuesday, February 1st there. And uh, give me your thoughts. What do you expect out of this matchup, Durham? Well, I expect, expect Brad Marchand to be Brad Marchand. I mean, he's the only guy on the team that's over a point a game. Pasternak's just under with 40 and 41. Bergeron's kind of been slowing down, but uh, Charlie McAvoy's like, I got it, bro. Don't worry about it. I'm just going to put up 28 points in 38 games. Oh, yeah. Did I mention I played defense? <laughs> yeah, McAvoy's been on uh, a bit of a streak here, um, and he's kind of had to take over that number one D spot these last couple of years um, since Krug has moved on, right? So it's kind of his D back there, but uh, uh, it's going to be a tough battle. This is a Boston team who maybe had a bit of a slower start to the year, but seems like they've really turned things around themselves and yeah, have added on uh, added to the depth of their goaltending. Haven't they? Did they add to the depth or did they push everyone down the depths? And well, just added either way that just adds to the depth, right? I, I guess uh, you got pushes me there. Your depth down. Yeah. So, I was trying to know. be smart and I just came out <laughs> stupid. Yeah. You came out on the wrong side there, but uh, yeah, they've, Added to Rask, I believe he's only played four games so far. Hasn't exactly had uh, the start he's hoped. His numbers aren't too, too impressive. And I think he's day-to-day right now with uh, a bit of an injury. So don't know who we're going to see in net. Could be either one of their three goalies. Allmark could be an option. Or uh, Swayman, who's been called up uh, because of that injury. But uh, uh, what do you expect out of this game, though? What do you expect from this matchup? some offense from Boston, to be honest. They kind of seem like they like to try and push it, and they think they're going to win the game better 4-3 rather than 2-1. So I think that's kind of the style we're going to see is a little bit more of an offensive push, heavy flow both ways. Heavy flow. Shut up. It'll be a good game. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're a child. Uh, so <laughs> no it, it should be a great game though they're going to be a competitive one and uh it's going to be one of those games where uh the kraken's bottom six is going to have to uh outplay boston's bottom six i think and also find a way to shut down that top line of boston oh sorry sneezing there bless you Thanks. But uh yeah, it should be a should be a really good matchup. I'm excited for it. Well, so it'll be interesting. I believe Grubauer will get that start and then more than likely the next night against the Islanders there, we'll uh uh we'll see Drigger back in net again. So uh yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Should be two fun games. Of course, we broke down the Islanders matchup last time, but basically when you're facing off against the Islanders, what do you expect? Pretty much just expect a low-scoring battle, right? Yeah, it's going to be a tight game. defensive shithole. You're yeah. going to hope that Matt Bardzell doesn't get a couple breaks and then everyone else you're just going to kind of keep in check. Yeah, the, the Islanders are kind of known for playing a bit of that boring style game. Um, they've had a lot of success doing it. This year is a different story. Uh, you know, they battled a, a lot of COVID. They battled a lot of other things too. So 
looking forward to the games. Give me a prediction for the game against Boston. 4-3 Boston. All right. Not, not going for the Kraken, eh? I'm saving their win for the next night against the Islanders. They're going to win 3-0. Right. I say they take both these games. They're going to surprise Boston. They're going to surprise, uh, well, not maybe not the biggest surprise, but they're going to take both these games, I think. Uh, I'm going with a 4-2 game against Boston and a 2-1 game against the Islanders. That's my oh. predictions for those games, so. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, so, yeah, should be good. Four teams remain in the NFL playoffs, and that means only four teams left for you to bet on at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. Bet just $5 to get $280 in free bets if your team wins. Not a new customer? You can experience the conference championships with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win $280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code THPN for 56 to 1 odds at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Alrighty, Kraken fans, welcome back. We got a bit of NHL news here to talk about uh, before we move on. Uh, Durham, Aaron Dell suspended three games for his interference cheap shot on Senators all-star Drake Batherson. What are your thoughts on this? I think it might be a cheap shot, Ty. Uh, I'm going to steal your words there. Bit of a low blow. That was some horseshit play. I mean, guys go out of their way to avoid touching the goalie 99.99% of the time. And this guy's yeah. like, fuck you. Yeah, um, I was absolutely uh, pissed off when I seen that, like, big time. Um, just an absolute unnecessary play from Aaron Dell there. Um, Drake Batherson is just trying to get around the net, and he just steps up on him, uh, lowers his shoulder right into Batherson. He goes into the boards, uh, like, really dangerously, you know, feet first, ends up uh, getting a high ankle sprain, and he's out at least two months now. You think it's fair that Aaron Dallas suspended three games for that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely fair. I mean, you see guys get suspended for less where they do more. Yeah, see, that's where I would uh, disagree. Maybe it's uh, a bit of a Sens fan coming out me where uh, I'm a bit livid at this, but uh, a play like that, that's just so unnecessary to make. Uh, that Aaron Dell has been known for doing a few different times now in his career. I say the guy shouldn't play uh, any games. He should be kept out for, you know, up, upwards of two months. Why not make it where uh, he can't come back until Batherson's ready? Because that's just, to me, that's just bananas. Just bananas. Yeah, but stuff. that's, you can't have that rule because what happens when you got Matt Duchesne abs accidentally clips 
Joe Blow fourth liner and they just go, ah, our fourth liner is concussed. He can't play for the next six months. Sorry, Duchesne, you're, you got to sit out too. Key, key word in that though, Durham, you said accidentally. accidentally. Yeah. 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 This was full blown. Didn't need to happen. Wasn't part of it. Dell was just pissed that Ottawa scored three goals on him in that first period. And to step up and do that to a player is just so unnecessary and should not be part of any, you know, it's not part of the game at all. And uh, yeah, it pissed me off, but I just had to bring that up because uh, you know, I had, I had to talk about it on the pod, get that one out of the way with moving on though. Zgress continues to dazzle in his rookie season. He pulled off the Michigan goal against Montreal. Give me your take on that beautiful, beautiful goal there. Ah, Torts hates it, so I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, he did hate it, didn't he? Yeah, he kind of made jokes about it, how he's like, oh, I don't hate it. I think it's great skill. And it is. It's great skill. It's interesting to see how many guys can so easily do it. I can't do it. It's something I never practiced growing up. Yeah, one of those things where uh, yeah, just just totally impressive. Don't know why you'd be against this. It's basically doing a wraparound goal, but you're doing it in midair. So it's it's just elevating that move one more step. And so what if it's a bit razzle-dazzle and it's a bit flashy? It's It ends up in the back of the net, and that's what you need to win hockey games, right? Remember when Don Cherry snapped on 16-year-old Sidney Crosby for doing it in the queue? I don't, actually. I don't. It was a that. Coach's Corner episode. He went on about how it was showboating and embarrassing, and he should know better. <laughs> wow. Bit of a shocker, I guess. You know, Grapes is that way too. He's, you know, he just loves that hard nose, hard hockey style. But I mean, is this something you're you're gonna see happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs in the you know in in the final round? Is that is the NHL gonna involve evolve into that one day? I don't know because I think in the playoffs, like it's a completely different game from regular season, right? You come around the net trying to do that, someone's gonna break your wrist. Yeah, either that or catch you, uh, you know, with your head down. But it, it just seems like, uh, you know, these players can pull off that move so good now where, you know, they don't have to bring their stick down to the ice to kind of pop it up. Uh, they just, you know, pull it into their blade, angle their blade, and then they could get it right, sitting right pretty on their blade like that and, and get it up in the air and into the back of the net. But, yeah, amazing play by Zegras, no doubt. And I'm all for it, man. I, I love seeing this stuff in the NHL. Yeah, skill always prevails. It's fun to see. Mm -hmm. grows the game. Oh, yeah. And then moving on here, uh, a guy we've talked about plenty of times on this podcast, usually for you know more negative things, but Evander Kane, he officially signs with the Oilers, just like everybody suspected which what would happen. That was the only really the only team rumored in uh involved with Kane. So he signs that deal. Uh 750k in salary. And then he gets 625k in signing bonus, I believe. It ends up being a 2.1 mil cap hit for the season for the Oilers. So, uh, give me your thoughts on him back in the NHL, and not just in the NHL, but uh, lined up with a guy named McDavid. Give me your thoughts on that. Well, he better score 30 goals this year. Better just this year. <laughs> play, better just play hockey and be like, hey. This is what I can do. This is what they thought I can do. I'm going to prove them right. This is this is probably his last shot. I would hope so. 
I think asking 30 goals this year is fucking bananas, though. I don't nah, know what you're he's playing with talking McDavid. about. I don't care. I don't care about that argument. 30 goals in half a year? You've literally yeah, he's got like 50 games anyway. left. Uh, not 50, I don't think. Don't they? No, no. They're, we're, we're, in, we're in like well past into the second half of the year now. I thought they had less games played. No, I mean, I could check, but... Um, they have 42 I, I games your, left. Yeah, so half the season, right? So um, I could see what you mean by, you know, he's obviously got to produce there. Um, do you think it's going to cause any kind of riff in that locker room? Do you think uh, Do you think this ends up being a positive ad, or do you think it uh, ends up you know, being a bit more turmoil? I think that's going to be completely up to Evander Kane and what he wants it to be. If he wants it to be a positive ad and good for his career, it will be. If he wants to cause shit he, like he's shown in the past, he's going to. So what do you think will happen? I don't fucking know. Probably going to cause shit going just off of history. <laughs> yeah, well... I mean, exactly. if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it might be a fucking duck. <laughs> okay, fair fair reference. I like it. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, he did score... Uh, the first goal of the game for Edmonton the other night more. against Montreal. So 29 more added to the tally. Um, you know, this could be a big ad for a team like Edmonton, but um, I got to be honest, I don't know how many more chances this guy's going to get in the NHL. If this uh, this is, his, like you said, probably his last chance to really show a, a positive, uh, you know, just a positive impact in the NHL Uh you know, with the players around him, the coaches around him and stuff. So um, we'll see. We'll see. It's an interesting ad for the, for the Edmonton Oilers could work out good. Could be a bit disastrous because uh, they've had some struggles, but are back kind of winning hockey games again. So um, moving on though, stat of the week, Durham, I'm going to hand this one over to you. This is uh this is the one we were foreshadowing there earlier, a little bit of groove bower. So since Felipe has uh, gone back to his CCM pads, four and four record, eight ninety four save percentage, two ninety two goals against average. That's you know you look at those numbers and you know they're not going to wow you right, but there's still a lot of improvement in those games, and I mean there's no doubt about it. He's he's looked better in those pads. I I don't know if it is the pads. It's a psychology thing. He just maybe he just feels better in those old pads, and he's rocking them now. But he he looks way more comfortable and confident since he's put those CCM pads on. Yeah, he definitely looks like the Grubauer of old. You know, maybe uh, the guy who stole the starting job from Holtby in Washington for about six months, and then the uh, guy who was just like, "Hi, Colorado, I'm going to be your starting goalie for the next three years." Yeah, and I, he did struggle a bit when he got first got to Colorado, but then you know once he was comfortable there, my God, was he just a fantastic goaltender for them uh, for for a good little chunk of time there. But yeah, when you're looking at those numbers, you know if you take away maybe those first two games he played in those pads, I mean you're bringing that save percentage up well above the nine hundred percent mark, and um, that goals against would definitely be going down more too. Um, but solid. I love it. And also three and two with Davy Jones. Can't forget about that. Right. The new ambassador for the Kraken. No, I mean, how could we possibly forget such a good boy? 
the goodest of boys, right? Just the best of boys. Exactly. Okay, moving on here. Last thing we're going to talk about today on this podcast. Uh, since the All-Star Game's coming up, why not throw a bit of predictions out there for some of the awards and, you know, the team who's going to take the tournament and win it all. So I'm going to throw it to you for this one, Durham. First award up, we got the fastest skater. People might be thinking, oh, wait, that's a given, right? No, I don't think it is. I think it's a lot closer than uh, people are giving credit for. So give me your predictions. Give me who you think has a legit shot at uh, winning the fastest skater award this year. Well, I'm still going to side with McDavid because I think when he actually gives a shit and wants it, it's his to lose. I don't think the last couple of years he's really cared after he, what he did win it the first two times he went. Uh, I believe so, but he was beat the last time this event uh, happened. So uh, maybe that does add a bit of an extra edge to him and he wants to go prove that he is, in fact, the fastest skater. And if it's not McDavid, I'm going with McCarr. I'm going with the McDavid of defense. I like it. I, I mean, the, the list here is insane. I mean, there, there's a handful of guys have a legit shot, and I can't wait to see what uh, what number Kale McCarr can get because he's so explosive back there and so fast as a defenseman. Uh, I don't think people give enough credit for uh, his capabilities of speed. But he's right up there with the other top dogs on this list. I mean, you go through some of these names. Dylan Larkin, right there, has a legit shot at winning it. Um, Adrian Kempe, don't think he has a shot at all. Uh, no offense to him. But, <laughs> but let's be Adrian honest. Adrian Kempe, get fucked. I'm sorry. I don't, I, I'm a bit confused. Maybe he'll surprise me with how fast he really is out there. Uh, might be eating my own words with that one. Don't think he has a shot. Jordan Cairo, that's an interesting one. Uh, he skates really well. I don't know how fast he can get. Uh, so I wouldn't put him at the top of my list. Um, Chris Kreider's in it. That's going to be an interesting one. Uh, not the biggest fan of Kreider. Got nothing against him. I just think he runs goalies. Um, <laughs> and uh, But he is fast and he has that talent. And then another guy, other than Makar, like you had mentioned, another guy who's very, uh, very interesting to watch in this one, Kyle Connor, uh, very fast skater too. And when he gets going, man, he, he's hard to catch. So uh, legit names in here. And, and unfortunately too, uh, no, no Nathan McKinnon anymore, right? And he would have been right at the top of that list too with uh, the top dogs. So anyone from McDavid, uh, Kyle Connor, um, Dylan, Dylan Lark. Lark, yeah, like those three guys plus Makar, like those four, man, you got to think anyone really has a legit shot, but it's hard to pick against McDavid, right? I'm not going to do it. Yeah. All right, here's another one, though. Hardest shot, given the people who are going to the NHL All-Star game this year, who do you think is going to take that harder shot award? Either Ovechkin or Stamkos. Those were my two picks too, to be honest. So, um, I think they both think, shoot around 99, 101. Yeah, I think you're right. And is there any other names you'd throw out there? Not really. 
Yeah, there was a couple like of... I kind of thought maybe, but they're not in Ovi and Stammer's tier, in my opinion. I'll be surprised if there are. What about a Drysidle? Interesting. Maybe, but I don't know if he really gets like because I also got thinking the slap shot's kind of dead, right? Like no one really takes those anymore. So how many guys are really practicing getting their velocity off with that? Yeah, yeah, you don't see many guys going down the wing and taking a clap or two on the when you when you're moving, right? It's all about these these snapshots and wrist shots, but I would put a guy uh an interesting guy on that uh, list that I think is going to be in this competition. Um Zach Wierenski. I wonder uh you know what level uh, his shot is at and how fast that shot is or how hard 98 I guess miles an hour. I'll say 90, I'll say 96.8 96.8. If you get that spot on, I'll I'll definitely shotgun a beer on the, the next pod. Fuck, okay. <laughs> Vector Headman, too. I think that could be a guy who could throw an absolute bomb into the hardest shot competition. Just becomes Zidane Chara. Just all this torque behind it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's your, your pick. So you, you gave me two names. Give me uh, Give me the guy who's going to win it. Obi, I'm not betting against the bull. <laughs> no, imagine if they had a little tape to tape, a uh, little pass assist there, so he could do it. He could do a one timer. He fires one into the tape to tape at 102 miles an hour, <laughs> and it comes back, and he sends a 114 mile an hour one tee at the net. <laughs> yeah, that would be wicked. I don't it's know if that like should I be a rule though. Like, you should be able to choose whether you had a one tee. I mean, you get that, three that chances skating into a stationary puck, or you get two chances at a one timer pass from a teammate. Yeah, that would be cool. I think it would be uh, exciting to see uh, the numbers on one time shot instead you of just, uh, like you said, a stationary puck. You can skate into the stationary puck, the one timer, you can't move. You have to be still. Yeah, I would right, agree. Now, we, would now agree. we got some choices here. That's an interesting yeah. one. I don't know what I'd want. <laughs> yeah no I, that would be interesting i think Actually, i would I still want to skate, skate into, into it, it. yeah <laughs> but with ovi it's like i mean that guy that guy just ripping it off one team might be harder than anyone skating into it so he's like me um, shifting my weight from four inches behind my ass to four inches in front of my ass is me skating <laughs> into it what did you say about four inches behind your ass there guy shifting the weight wait yeah. what <laughs> um moving on here accuracy shooting uh this is an interesting one i feel like you could throw a lot of people into this competition but i have a couple names in mind who do you think's taking this one either matthews or gensel Ooh, gensel okay yeah yeah i could see He's him accurate. Being in it. he gets open sniper. and he finds his holes yeah and honestly i was kind of had matthews at the top of my list on this one too I think the guy's the uh, accurate shooter. Mm-hmm. It's all wristers, I, and that's his thing, too. It is. It is. He's so good with them. Um, I'm going to do a little, uh, maybe a, an outside chance shot here. I got two names here. I'll go with Joe Pavelski, because the guy can absolutely snipe. And Kaprizov. I think he might have an outside. 
Yeah, a little shot there. Not only him, but Kyle Connor too. Anyone from this Pacific Division, holy sh- or Central, sorry, holy shit! They got snipers coming from the Central Division. Just kill McCarr, just sweep every event. <laughs> yep. You think about it though, like you could do a, you could do an accuracy shooting for just this division. Debrinkat, Keller, Kadri, Makar, Pavelski, Kaprizov. Kairu, Connor. That's wild. Yeah, that is a fucking murderer's row of just snipers there. It is. But then you start to look down the list of other ones, like you go to the Pacific, like Troy Terry. Is he going to be in it? 22 goals. Dreisaitl, 26 goals. Kempe's a bit of a sniper. Timo Meyer is a sniper. Let's give some love to Jordan Eberle, for God's sakes. I know he's on like a uh 1300 game goalless drought right now but uh i mean that guy can still snipe pucks right eight more games and he might catch donskoy yeah seriously feels that way is that actually accurate i don't know there's no way uh, obviously not he, he but he is creeping into like 16 or 17 games now i think it's either been way too it's, fucking many it's been too many and uh last but not least here uh Bit of a prediction. They're bringing back the breakaway challenge finally. Um, th- I think the last time it was in the NHL All-Stars was like 2016 or so. Um, but they're bringing that back. That's an exciting one too. So uh, the breakaway challenge is back. And they're bringing a little special guest into it too, aren't they? Trevor Zegras. Yeah, Trevor Zegras is going to be joining that event. And... For good reason, too, right? Like, not only his skills that he's shown, obviously flipping the puck over the net, doing the Michigan, um, you know, he brings so much, so much skill to the game. But here's a stat for you. No one else has scored more shootout goals this year than Trevor Zegris. Really? Yeah, he has five goals on seven opportunities. Fuck, that ain't bad. Not bad at all. It's like 70, what, 71, 72% or something like that. But yeah, that's pretty wild. I was, I was impressed to see that, uh, those numbers and the guy sitting in second place for that, uh, for that stat, Steven Stamkos, who is four on the year so far. So, um, give me some names who you think could win this. The breakaway challenge. That's not the one where you have to do fancy shit, right? You just got to score. I believe it's the one two. where I know. I believe it's the one where uh, you pretty much can do the fancy shit again, right? Yeah, but I mean, you're not scored on how fancy your goal is. You're just scored on whether you score. Because remember All that right. when like Ovechkin was pulling two sticks out and Corey Perry pulled a mini stick out and they were just doing well. That's what I think shit. this is. <laughs> I think that's what this is. That's why they're bringing him, uh, bringing Zegras on. Fuck this event, then. I love it. I'm, I I love it. I don't. Care. I hated it. I wanted to watch new. What? See, when I was a kid growing up watching that event, I wanted to watch the best players in the NHL pull out their best moves against the goaltenders, so that I could copy them. Where the fuck <laughs> am I gonna pull a mini stick out in the middle of a game? From your pants, dude. Obviously, get a breakaway chance. Throw your stick to the boards. Pull out the mini stick. Little, That's gotta be know, a travel. leg quick, forehand, backhand, forehand again. 
I think it would be. Uh, I I'm excited for it, and the fact that they're bringing it back that'll be cool to watch. It'll be, especially with so many years off. Uh, there might be a bit more creativity than we've seen in the past. At least I would hope so. So, looking forward to that. Last but not least here though. Ooh, oh, Clayton Keller out of the blue there with that prediction. Okay. Him or Jack Hughes, one of the USNTDB boys. Fuck, that's a fucking mouthful to say. Say that five <laughs> times fast. No, thanks. I'll pass. Um, last but not least here, though, uh, the division to win the All-Star 3-on-3 tournament. Who do you got? Well, I got the team with the best goddamn goalie, arguably the best goddamn defenseman, and Brady Kachuk's going to fucking fight somebody if they don't win. So I'm taking the Atlantic. <laughs> oh, man, that would be hilarious. Who should he fight? Maybe go up against the uh... – I was going to say, I don't know. I don't he's know. Gonna grab Who a would he fight? And he's going to be like, that's yeah. for fighting my draft class, mate. <laughs> yeah, there's not many guys in this, uh, this group other than Ovi who's willing to drop the mitts. So uh... – yeah, we'll Lorenzi see. I like that pick, Larkin. They should get a rematch. Okay, okay. Maybe a rematch there, Gone. I like that. Uh, I like your pick for the Atlantic, too. Not only do uh, they have the best goaltender, but do they have the best forward right now? Oh, maybe. Is, is Jonathan Huberto the best forward playing right now? Possibly. You look, going into it, I think think that's fair to say i'm and not just gonna sit here and say about. mcdavid isn't the best but look at go look at mcdavid's numbers the past six six or eight games and then go compare that to jonathan huberdo right now and then not only that go to the you know who's at the the top of the points leaderboard right now tries that on huberdo right there Who david's not first or second so um i like that pick that's a good one um I'm kind of leaning towards – I think I'm going to lean towards – oh, man, it's so hard. I, I want to say the central, to be honest. Um, I would have if they had McKinnon. Because it would be him, Kadri, and Makar on a line, and they would just do whatever they want. Yeah, like I, I, it's tough. I really don't think the Metro has a chance, to be honest. Um, I just feel like Pardon there's a couple – couple weak spots in that group um but again you know it's always tough to tell but i like the way uh the central is built i mean kill mccarr i think they're adding yossi over mckinnon right yeah so you got those two guys who are just such elite puck movers on the, the back end good at playing d and then you have nothing but just people who put the puck in the net kadri pavelski um Kirill Kaprizov, Jordan Cairo, Kyle Connor, Alex DeBrincat, uh, Clayton Keller. He's, you know, be interesting to see what he does just playing again around with these guys because he's got no one in Arizona to do it with. So uh, it'll be interesting, man. I'm looking forward to it. How about you? Yeah, it's going to be a lot more fun. I mean, I kind of fell out of the All-Star game for a couple years there, but now that they're trying mm-hmm. something different, it is a little interesting to watch again. To be yeah, honest, I'd love it to go like, back to an old all-star game where they actually fucking tried. Yeah, same. Like, I love the three-on-three. It's fun, but it's 
it's hard. Like you can't compare the stats like you can back in uh, the old uh, all-star games. Now it's, it's just, it's almost just too different. Right. I watched one of the uh, old all-star games on like the NHL rewind when Mario Lemieux was like, Hey, this is how you score four goals in an all-star game where people are trying to stop you. <laughs> Those were fun. I used to watch them on the NHL network when I was a kid. Um, you know, even some of the more recent ones, the highlights from, I think, the 04 season where uh, Danny Heatley scored four. And I think Jeremy Roenick was mic'd up the whole time. <laughs> that one was Whoop. hilarious to watch. But uh, one of the best memories, I think, is uh, Owen Nolan going down on Hasek and just picking, picking, his, picking shot. his shot. Yeah, just pointing right at top shelf. And that was back when, uh, like, those jerseys were sick. They did the East versus the West. I love those jersey concepts. The teal. The teal, and then the other one was like a red or burgundy style, but the teal was un- insane. But they also did the puck tracker too, where uh, you know it had the blue streak for like passing, and it was like red for shots. Um, and I think they, you know, they always measured how fast the shots were too. I missed that. I loved the the little colored puck trackers too. I actually loved that. I liked mi- or seeing all the shot power and shit like that. Yeah, I love that too. But sports uh, science. I think uh the jerseys were leaked or whatever leaked, they were shown online and it looks like they're going to a nice jersey concept again this year. So uh keeping it pretty simple again. And it does feel like we haven't seen an all star game for a little while now. Yeah, it feels like it's been a couple of years, and I do like the jersey concepts that were leaked. Mm-hmm. They're clean. So it'll be uh just cool to be able to see another event like that. I think uh, we're all in agreement, though, that uh, it's not about team representation. It should just be the best of the best going. doesn't matter how many are on what team or what. Put the best of the best in there, right? That's what we want to see. Yeah, I mean, if Arizona's 495 fans don't want to see anybody, it sucks for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, but yeah, looking forward to it. We got that. We got the couple cracking games. It should be a fun week next week. And yeah, thanks for every, everybody for tuning into uh, episode 19 here. Stevie Y, Joe Sackick. Join us next week as we break down both of those cracking games. We will also break down a bit of a cracking trade bait list too. We'll get into some neat things like that. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with all nhl news and all things kraken so have a great week everyone and peace out kraken nation